Pie in the Sky Media. This series contains adult language and descriptions of graphic violence throughout. Listener discretion is advised. Three, two, one. Happy 4th of July, Murder Chronicles Nation. Happy 4th of July to you, Carolyn. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Happy Happy Independence Day. Happy Independence Day. Um, can you name two presidents who died Stop. on the 4th of July? Two presidents Stop. who died on the 4th of July? Do this. And one president that was born on the 4th of July. Go. Um, no. Okay. So... <laughs> Two signers of the Declaration of Independence, originally political rivals, John Adams. John Adams, I knew you were gonna say that, and Thomas Jefferson. Yeah, see, you did know, you gotta think. I know, Are, you put me on the spot with these John, things. Right, you gotta, you gotta get your shit together. You gotta get your shit together, take a breath. You want me to fail, you No, want, I do not, want I wanna raise you. you up. I wanna raise you up. John <laughs> yeah. Adams, our first vice president and second president of the United States, and Thomas Jefferson, our third president of the United States, political mm-hmm. rivals, because they were ideologically on opposite ends of the political spectrum. Um, but they respected each other. They were jealous of each other. I don't think John Adams was totally jealous of I don't think Jefferson. I don't think they respected each other, and I don't think they were jealous of each other. I think they thought each other's were, were fucking assholes during the day, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, like almost, yeah, think like Trump Biden kind of like I know, but John Adams, I actually read that biography. He was more of the plotter. He was more of the, like, I have to work harder than everybody else. Thomas Jefferson walked in and he was just beautiful and like perfect penmanship, perfect suits. Well, Thomas Jefferson could always rely on his just incandescent intelligence. Mm -hmm. That's really, and the same way John Adams could rely on his work ethic. Right. And his ability to form alliances and to and to get people to to make compromises and stuff, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But so then at the, you know, 50 years to the day of the signing of the Declaration of Independence. OK, John Adams died up in Massachusetts, but they had been pen pals for a long time. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and had really formed a really tight friendship. And according to legend, and maybe it's true, it could be apocryphal. I'm not sure. John Adams last words were Jefferson lives. And 90 minutes later, down in Monticello, Thomas Jefferson died. Pretty crazy. It is crazy. Yeah, it's really, it's really crazy. crazy. There's a great Especially book. because yeah. there's not like, there's there's not cell phones. There's nothing to like, there's not two tin cans going from one no, place. No, it was just, it just, it just yeah. happened. It just happened. And there were their aides that were sitting there like writing down, this is the time of death and this were last words and this blah, blah, what happened, you know? But um, there's a great book called Founding Brothers, which looks at the founding generation as if they were a family of siblings. Okay. Um, and, and it was, it was a really interesting kind of framing device for that, for the founding generation. But so anyway, here we are. Uh, Fourth of July. Yeah. Happy birthday, America. Uh, wouldn't, wouldn't want to live anywhere else given, even with all of our faults, it's still the best game in town. Um, so very frustrating episode this week. You know yeah. I don't like shit without an ending. You know it. I know. <laughs> you know I don't like it. Um, I know. I know. And the oh. And if there's one thing I hate worse than something without an ending is thinking there's going to be an ending, in the form of a confession, and then that rug gets ripped out from under you, and the family just their their trauma 
uh, just gets amplified. So that that was that fucking guy should be you know tarred and feathered. Speaking of the founding generation uh, in the public square, but um, but but so let's go back. Let's go back. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. What happened to Nancy Moyer? Great title. Obviously, it describes the episode. So um, and uh, really, um, what I found really uh, emotional, I guess, what was a good kind of connective tissue for me with the with the episode was it's kind of told through the eyes of, of a nine-year-old, you know, at least in, in, in the beginning, you know, um, and, you know, my kids are still really close to being nine. And so I, and my daughters, and so I, I can understand that kind of the emotional capacity for a child of that age, right. Uh, what their memory is like, what, you know, um, how they talk, how they describe things, what, you know, uh, and so it was, that hit that 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 landed really kind of uh, strongly for me. So, um, so wh- how did you learn of this case? What what kind of work have you done on it? What kind of research? You know, you know, it really. Um, I have a nine year old right now, so mm-hmm. I really obviously was connected to it. And when I interviewed her, I I had a nine year old because my kid's like thirteen now. So mm-hmm. it just hit me really hard, and I and I found out about the case because I had covered another case, which I mentioned at the very end of it. It was a daughter who was in high school when her mother was uh, murdered. And so she knew what happened to her mother, but she has spent, she's probably in her thirties now, um, her adult life, basically, you know, having, you know, Facebook messages and, you know, her channel and all that stuff. And um, I was going to participate in a documentary that was about it. And it's like to see, um, what this woman has gone through and to being a mother and just feeling like I know that that the mother Karen Bodine is her name um would not but but the daughters hooked up together so Karen Bodine's daughter hooked up with Samantha Moyer to kind of you know because they live around the same area and so you know it's just sad they belong to a club that nobody wants to belong to and your just heart is just ripped to shreds because it's kind of like you know, they're, they're stuck in this time loop, you know? Yeah. And, and so it's because other than, other than the awful tragedy, uh, the family was making it work, you know, they were making sure. it work. They were. And, that, and that was a, that was a really, uh, positive kind of feeling I was getting. I went, yeah. You know, because a lot of the stories that you cover, you know, the, it's messy divorces and people hate each other and there's stalking and there's because, you know, hey, well, that's true crime. That's not Carolyn. Oh, no, no, I get it. But but what I'm saying is, unfortunately, often that's an element of it. Right. Yeah, it's, absolutely. Right? OK. And in this one, they're like, hey, it's not working out with us being married, but, you know, we could there's kids involved. We don't have to hate each other. You know, and there was there was like a rhythm. Both of the parents were very involved in the girls' lives, like all of that's super cool and great. And she said it. She goes, they didn't hate each other. I'm like, my parents still loved each other. It just didn't work out for them as a as a married couple. And so I and, have yeah. just one second. I have the most respect for parents who can do this. Mm. Growing up with parents who absolutely couldn't do this. Same. I when I hear parents who do this, I am so like impressed and like hats off. And uh, I, I just think it because they're putting their kids first above their own feelings, yeah. you know, and and whenever people do that, you know, especially when there's emotions involved and 
you know, other people, other partners come into play. It's like, it's so messy. And, and they were keeping it on the kids, which I, I just love. Which is great. And to your point, like a lot of times my interpretation of, of adult behavior in like the aftermath of a, of a divorce or a separation is like, ah, I'm free. I'm going to take some time for me, for the adult. I'm going to do grown up shit. I'm going to go focus on work. I'm going to travel. I'm going to date. I'm going to blah, 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 blah. Completely forgetting that you have that there's still kids involved there, and it's yeah. usually left to to one of the parents to pick up the slack. You know, in my case, most it, often the mom. In my case, it was my mom, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's um, yeah. So this was it, it was really interesting and really cool seeing how they were making it work, and then that just gosh, just come home and the house is empty. It's weird, right? And you know when a house is empty. You know when there's nobody there. Almost the moment you walk in. You're like, oh, yeah. Something's fucking weird here. Yeah. I mean, even yeah. though everything's in place, that energy of like. There's no, yeah. There, there, there's know. something There's something going on. And they, they clock that right away, you know. Yeah. yeah. And and the husband knew that he was going to get looked at. And he, and he was looked at like right away. It's like, yo, lie detector. Hook me up. Let's do it. Wasn't me it? Don't waste any time looking at me. Let's just get myself eliminated from this. And so he was the one who you made the initial report, right? Like two days later. Yep. And then and then you had that really sad, awful, awful line where it's like, you know, days turned into weeks and boom. And then then I was while I was following along, you know, listening. And then uh and then like a minute later, you said a year later. And went, and I all I thought of was, man, poor Samantha, that's poor kid. All of a sudden, a year goes by, and I was thinking, that means she went through a birthday and a holiday season and a school year and all of that, not knowing what happened to her mom. And that's that 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 brought it into a really harsh kind of reality. Thinking of it that way, yeah, yeah. I mean, it. So often we think about the victims, what they went through, and here she doesn't even know. She just poof disappeared. Like, is she alive? Is she dead? Like, that would be so, so just brutal. Yeah. Yeah. And in a small town, Mm -hmm. right, where the shit doesn't happen, um, Mm -hmm. and no evidence, like no physical evidence. So from last week, that, that, that wicked, you know, principle about, you know, you leave something behind, you take something with you, there's always- Right. The low card principle. And there was nothing. There's nothing. The low card principle is bullshit, if you ask yeah. me. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> there was nothing. Principle. There's nothing there. Well, we don't know if someone didn't say, hey, come here. Right. You it know, didn't like, have to happen here. in the house. It, it obviously yeah. didn't happen in the house, is what I would think. But then there's right. all that stuff like the hungry man dinner. That made me sad that she ate a hungry man dinner by herself. That made me kind of sad. Um, because I've been there. I used to spend like weekends like just eating like fucking steakums and you know watching wheel of fortune right you know what i mean are you kidding me <laughs> because i had no life yeah yeah crazy it was crazy um so i know how she feels this, this is pre-marriage oh yeah oh this is pre this is pre a lot of shit but um but yeah and so now yeah. gosh you kidding me you know what i would I, you know what i wouldn't give to spend a weekend in my house by myself just eating steakums peacefully and like watching golf do you know how great that sounds right now? Golf? Are you a golf? No, but whatever. Just something mindless. Well, because I have that planned out. Like yeah. it wouldn't be golf because right. I'm never really alone. 
you know? Yeah, exactly. I, same. I know. Same. And you've got like 10 times the amount of kids that I have. So, I mean, I can imagine. I think it's actually 20. 20 times. Yeah. It's been 20 times. So, you know. So, so. <laughs> Don't try um, to like, I've, I've heard everything about being a breeder. Okay. You can't, you can't even slide one in on me. So, um, so let's get to the, um, well, the, the, the real like frustrating lack of evidence of, a, of, a, of criminality other than this woman was gone. And we heard probably, you know, my, my least favorite, uh, kind of educational experience with regard to the murder, murder chronicles is that phrase. It's not illegal for someone to walk away from their lives. I know. Right? But you know what's great in this case, and I'm not going to say I don't even great is the wrong word, but yeah. they they took it seriously right away. Yes, they didn't like mess around with all that stuff. Well, hey, we don't know. You know, she could have walked away. They were like, no, she did not walk away. That was fucked up. Something exactly. happened. Yeah. Something yeah. happened. So yeah. I, I really feel like there wasn't that piece of it. You know, like if only they would have. You know, right. So there was that desperate guy who had plans with her on Saturday and she didn't answer the phone. And so he was, I'm just going to fucking go to her house. Oh, creepy, right? <laughs> right. I mean, come on, dude. Suspect. Slow, slow your roll, man. Jesus. Oh, have you ever had that happen to you where you like somebody's at the door and you are like, look into the people and you're like, please just go away. No, please. but I've been that guy. I've been that guy. Dude, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm not proud of it. I'm not proud of oh it. But God. Just, I have had like, that and it is yeah. the worst. She the said worst. yes. She said she wanted to go out. So maybe oh Brandon, phone's stop. Broken. You're maybe just your phone... making it worse. Maybe... Stella. Stella. <laughs> hey, do you remember we talked? It's Brandon. You remember? You don't? Okay. Hey, you want to talk about fairies? Let's just on. maybe you heard of Bruce Springsteen? Uh, <laughs> we could, did you know maybe, that he's yeah. too? maybe we could talk about it but no listen i don't i don't I'm, I'm not i'm not ashamed of being desperate some every now and then in my life <laughs> but so there was that guy so they cleared him um there was that whole little why run that not, why did he leave the door open i mean i just feel like right it was open when like, i got here so i don't know maybe <laughs> Yeah. Probably not somebody that would have been a marriage material, right? Where it's yeah. like, I'm just going to leave everything the way that I found it. And no. walking into a house unannounced, marriage right. material is off the table, like right, right. there. But, but one could make a thing of like, yeah, he was so worried about me yeah. that he came in and, and, but to leave the door ajar. And yeah, it was fucked up. But so there was a little bit of run of information with the detective, uh, that I thought was going to be promising. And they were talking about the number of wine glasses that were out. I thought this was a wine glass, but it wasn't like all of that, but again, fruitless. Um, and then uh, I don't even like say it's just a creepy phrase, but the meat salesman. I know. Right. There's this fucking guy, the door to door meat salesman who obviously was making some sales because she had some shit in her fridge. Know, right. Because She was probably afraid not to buy yeah. it. Like, what yeah. was going to happen if she didn't buy that chicken? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm trying to imagine someone coming to the door and selling meat and kind of getting out of that conversation, you know? Yeah. yeah. So the meat salesman <laughs> turned out to be a the meat salesman turned out to be a really shitty murderer. Right? Absolutely. Okay. 
Absolutely. Let me ask a stranger, hey, will you help me help me move this body of a woman that I just randomly murdered who was out exercising? That was terrifying. That was a really scary look at humanity right there. You know, and, and I'm sure you happen. weren't expecting it. I mean, that's just no, it was this, out of nowhere. I went, what the tiny f- town in this yeah. tiny town. Yeah. And you know, they were probably like, We hope that he's not the one seeing what he did to Vonda, right? That was the right. woman. But at least we'll know what happened, right? Exactly, exactly. But, but then so, that was like, and so such a small town that a, that a cop sitting in a speed trap sees sees the, the the meat salesman's vehicle pull up to Nancy's house, right? Or slow down there, or, or no? The, the so basically what happened is he was in the vicinity of where Nancy lived when he somehow flagged somebody down. Was like, hey, can you help me move this body? Right. And, but then the guy was like. No. no, and then look for a cop who was cops. in here because she lived in that place that was like a speed trap. Yep, right, so I'm yep, sure it was, right. there was a cop is. down the street, and they're like, "Hey," and they didn't believe it, but they did their due diligence, and then sure enough, it was like, "Wow." So then, this is the awful part of the of the episode is is the false confession that some guy calls up and says, "Hey, I did it." Okay, mm-hmm. so that gives the family some hope, not of the not that she's still around, because now we're ten years. Hence, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So, and then as soon as the guy hedged when he's like, I don't want to incriminate myself any further, but if I were to murder somebody, it would be in this little concrete patch that I have in my backyard. So that's mm-hmm. basically like, this is where the body is. I'm sure that's what everybody, that's what the cops thought. I'm sure. You that's know, what everybody thought. That's what everybody thought. And then they did that interview and good for the dad. He, he, he wasn't saying it's a slam dunk. You know, he was hesitantly. He wasn't cautiously optimistic but um and then it's weird that a guy i mean i'm thinking like what's the punishment for that right what's the punishment for saying that you did something for giving false hope for closure or for some kind of finality to a family who who's been living in this unspeakable kind of frustrating kind of tragedy for 10 years um and then say you know what i'm recanting my meds had me fucked up like is that a a, a criminal offense I don't think so because remember, and and the, and this is just anecdotally, but remember yeah. in the 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 catfishing episode, and we're like, why is this woman not going to prison? And they're like, there's nothing we can charge her with. And I think in this case, like they tried to keep him on that weapons charge, and it wouldn't hold. And then it's like, what can they charge him for? Nothing. You know, Wh- what they they can't. But it's like. Because is it what is it like free speech? You can just say you, you can you can admit to crimes that you didn't do just for like to get some attention for a second. I don't know. I mean, what do mm. you think? Do you think he did it based on the? No, I think he should fucking go to jail for putting the family through that fucking nonsense. That's right, what. I but what do you think? Do you think that he did it? No, I don't think he did it. You don't think he did? I it. don't. No. Huh. Yeah, you do. You know, I don't know. I don't really know because I think it's. Um, I don't know, but I, I don't, I think that it's interesting here where so many people give these false, give these confessions and they're like, Oh, we got you. You can't walk it back. You're done. You know, stick a fork in you. And they are. And in this case he wasn't. And I think it just kind of speaks to the prosecutor, the prosecutor and the people that are like, Hey, we don't have it. And we need to have it before we put him away, you know, but like, I don't know. I don't get that. Was he trying to get attention? Was he was he drunk or something when he called and confessed and he was on these loopy meds? Or I think it was just on his like on the loopy meds. Sometimes you do weird shit. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. And he could have gone into some, some delusional kind of psychosis where he actually thought that he did it. And, and he felt like he needed to confess for his crimes in the moment of this drug induced kind of hysterical hallucination or something that he was having. And then, you know, he sobers up and he's going, holy shit, I'm looking at a fucking murder beef here. I better clean this up, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's a miracle that he was able to. I mean, yeah. honestly, like, I yeah. don't know. I'm on the fence about it. I mean, I can see. Well, look, like, obviously no one was looked at harder for this than the guy that that confessed to the crime. OK, yeah. and so they wouldn't have cut him loose if they if they had even a little bit of evidence linking him to anything. So they obviously they obviously didn't couldn't find anything, any physical evidence or any any even circumstantial evidence to connect them to it other than uh, an obviously drug induced kind of confession. So so, no, I don't think he did it. Or or I think that if if there were even any sign that he did, they wouldn't have they wouldn't have cut him loose. So so I don't know the meat, the meat salesman, maybe I don't I don't know. I yeah. really don't know what what they were even looking at, you know, like how many crimes could there be like this? You know, I think I've told you this before. I I lived when I lived in Hollywood, I lived down the street from a prosecutor for the justice department in LA. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and we'd have barbecues and stuff. We have kids the same age and he was a really, really cool dude. Still is a really cool dude. Um, And he told me one time, uh, cause he's, he's consulted on some Hollywood scripts before as a, as a, you know, an expert, whatever. Creative. Yeah. And he said, uh, he worked bank robbery for a long time. Mm-hmm. I said, you get all the guys, right? You get them all. He goes, we hardly get any of them. I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, the only guys we get are people who rob enough so we could get a profile together and we could kind of come up with a theory that might predict their next move or something. Right. He goes, he goes, if you ever need a quick 15 or 20 grand, he goes, Rob a bank, do it one time and never do it again. We'll never catch you. We'll never find you. Because if you just walked in with like a note or so, I don't, I don't, this is a completely hypothetical, everybody listening. <laughs> this is just what he told me. Um, he goes, because we'll, we have no way of finding you. Hmm. Go, Holy shit, really? He goes, yep. And that's a large percentage of the bank robberies are just one-offs. People who are in a bind and and just have the balls to walk in and do it. It's the repeat offenders that always get caught. Yeah. 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 Or or the, a lot of the people who rob banks are desperate. And so they don't have a plan. And it's not, you know, it's it's like yeah. spur of the moment. Like you got to know, you got to know what's going on. I think it, that may have happened maybe 20 years ago or something before they had like CCTV everywhere and all that stuff. But yeah, I mean. Yeah, but even I, then, because he, he, he was, and the reason that a lot of people are become repeat offenders is because they realize how easy it is the first time they do it. I know, but you know that I have the Hollywood thing, so I have more inside information. So. <laughs> I talked to a guy who prosecutes bank robbers. No, I know, but I have that's one guy, one conversation. You know, I've spent months. It was months. probably three conversations. Oh okay? okay, it was right. three. You're, but anyway, like but the but fantasy but, of like robbing a bank it, it's going to involve kung fu. It's going to <laughs> the Springsteen <laughs> soundtrack <laughs> going on. No, but the reason I bring that up is that is for those one-time felons who do it and get away with it okay yeah like yeah. how many of these disappearances or murders or or, or kidnappings or just crimes of opportunity for mm-hmm. someone who's like whoa i'm just i'm not i'm not doing this again and got and got rid of it because like these like i wanted to do a show about deathbed confessions because there's it was something just hit last year about a uh like a guy who owned a car car dealerships in massachusetts 
who on his deathbed he revealed where like a letter was written telling the truth of his life that when he was 25 he worked at a bank like outside of chicago and stole like 750 grand in cash and completely got away with it started a whole new life became a golf pro owned car dealerships had family and kids and grandkids and everything and no one ever fucking got him you know you know um, why that doesn't happen more is because people can't keep a secret, Brandon. People yeah, but, can't walk away from their lives. Yeah. You know, that's why if you're the type of person that can do that and literally like walk away from your life, yeah, never to return, you'll probably get away with it. And what people fascinated me that. about what fascinated me about this guy was the fact that he became a golf pro. Because how do you hide in plain sight? Like he grew a beard. Okay, great. But then he just fell into a routine. He did the same shit every day, right? He went to work, he paid his taxes, he did his thing, he had a poker night with his boys, and he never said a thing. He never drank. He was because you know, you know, you drink, maybe you start telling stories. Like none of that. Like that's kind of like that's the definition of a, a good golf swing is something repeatable that you can do over and over again. Nothing flashy, nothing fancy, just simple mechanics, just do the same thing over and over. And that's how he lived his life. Of course, he became a golf pro. That's well, and he kept his mouth shut. He kept his mouth shut. Look at yeah. how many times have we talked about the the no. jailhouse confession, and they're talking. No. And, you know, they got to boast no about ego. it. No ego, exactly. This guy. I know. Ego. That's it. Oh. No ego. Yeah, ego no is ego. the enemy. It's a great book by Ryan Holiday, by the way. Ego is the enemy. He's a great Stoic philosopher, or student of Stoic philosophy. If you feel and he has nothing to do with the show, except that I'm a fan of his. Ego is the enemy. You should all read it. Um, so. This poor family mm -hmm. have this fucking whack job confess. They think there's going to be some kind of some level of closure or at least answers. Uh, and that turns out to not be the case. And so then they're stuck. They're stuck with, with, with nothing and, uh, and no answers and no nothing. And that's where I then want to call you and yell at you. Give me answers. Don't give me an episode. <laughs> where there's no I mean, answers. I know and it's even more tragic because I mean that part about the trolls and then like doing that whole thing like is so yeah but you know what the one person I'm not worried about in this world is Samantha why is that because she's tough she doesn't take any bullshit she gets back at the trolls she doesn't let it get her down nothing she goes I'm reading I am reading the cop and I will not let you get away with shit say my dad was involved say my mom yeah I'm not worried about her she's tough she's a tough kid yeah. I am worried about her, honestly. Yeah. Like I, I not because I don't think she's tough. Absolutely. Yeah. I absolutely think that she's tough. It's just unfortunate that she has to be tough in this way. Yeah. And that she has to spend her time talking to trolls who don't know her family, who make judgments about them, who, you know, and she has to process all that. And it's like, you know, and especially like I'm sure she has people in her life, but I know that like I'm I usually talk to my daughters all the time and my sons. And it's like, she doesn't have that, yeah. you know, like she can have other people in her life, obviously, but, um, and family, but I just feel like, you know, it's just, I don't know. It, it just makes me sad. Well, um, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, it, it, be, it started to feel a little bit like this episode was a commercial for that other podcast. You sure mentioned it a lot, Carolyn. Well, because here's the thing. I, <laughs> I like 
to give credit where credit is due. Sure. I know how hard it is to work on something and to have it come to fruition and what it takes to do that. Yes. And a lot of times it doesn't come to fruition. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's the lottery when it does. And this guy really, really tried to. Um, and, and they said, like, this podcast created a lot of buzz and energy. And I and I feel like that should be spotlighted. And I'm not ashamed to spotlight another podcast and say that someone did some good work and gave the family hope. Yeah. You know, I actually interviewed the guy. And, um, you know, I, I really feel like he was in it for the right reasons and really connected with the family. And um, so, yeah, I mean, that that's me, you know? Great. Well, listen, uh, well done. Uh, frustrating ending, but wonderful storytelling. And, uh, and it's something I was able to connect to on, on, on a, on an emotional level with, with Samantha. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just, it just, uh, I just fucking want to know what happened to Nancy. <laughs> That's all. You know, I, I left going, what, what, like, where was like, you know what I mean? Well, it's, and this it's, is it's, like it's a, scary. A, a tiny little infinitesimal feeling of what it's like for them. Yep. You know what I mean? Cool. Like we can say, yeah, these aren't my favorite because they don't have an ending. And so, and you, how many pitch meetings have you been in where it's like, well, we can't, we can't tell this story because we don't know how it ends. And people don't like how, then when they don't know how it, yeah. you know, it ends. And yet their stories need to be told. And it's not like I'm on my platform of like, I'm just saying, like, I feel like it's important to tell stories like this, even though they don't make us feel good. We don't have that feel good ending, at least in the sense of like, there's some, some resolution for the family, maybe some justice. Like, yeah, we don't know. We're hanging on like a tiny percent of what they're going through on their daily existence in their daily existence. So I hear you. All right. Well, Murder Chronicles Nation, hope you enjoyed this bonus episode and hope you're having a safe and healthy 4th of July holiday. Uh, Have a great week. Please consider supporting the great brands that support our show. And if you have any ideas or you know of any stories that you think might benefit from uh, Carolyn's investigative eye, please don't hesitate to reach out. Um, And uh, we'll have more for you next week. Carolyn, anything you'd like to add? No, so appreciate you listening. And uh, actually, I was going to give you a little taste for next week. Um, <laughs> we're going to go back in time to the early 1900s and a doctor who would charge a premium to her wealthy patients um, and basically to their demise. Ooh. Yeah. And then I have something that I really think that is um, something you'll be interested in the following week. I was actually going to do it this week, but the interview is was got pushed off because of the holiday. But there was a billionaire in Canada. I don't know if you heard the story back in 2017. He and his wife were murdered and they never they never figured out what happened. And so I had heard about the story when I was covering it, when I was a reporter at Cairo Radio. And but I didn't know, like since then, I hadn't followed it. But apparently they think that there that it was a hit and this guy was like so hated because of he was a um, pharmaceutical guy and um, he did generic drugs and that this could have been a hit within the industry, allegedly. Jeez. So a big yeah. pharma whack job. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Damn. Okay. Okay. Looking forward to that. That's exciting. That's exciting. Yeah. All right. Great. Well, yeah. uh, keep the, keep up the good work. And, um, Hopefully, we're going to have some pretty big announcements about uh, 
some other projects that you and I have in the works very soon. And Absolutely. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, some interesting stuff uh, in the pipeline. So stay tuned, everybody. Not that you tune into a podcast. I don't know why I said stay tuned, but uh, <laughs> just uh, stay alert. Uh, because you're Gen X, that's yeah, why. Gen X, stay tuned. Uh, we, again, no. very, great, very, very grateful for you uh, taking the time to uh, spend some uh, of your precious time with us. And uh, we look forward to spending some time with you next week. The Murder Chronicles is a pie-in-the-sky production recorded live in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. We are produced by Brandon Morgan and myself, music by Soundstripe. For Pie in the Sky Media, I'm Carolyn Osorio, your writer and host. Thanks for listening. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.